Father God, prepare our hearts this morning to hear from the Scriptures, to make sure that we hear from you today. It's so easy to hear something and think it might be for somebody else, but will you teach us something about faith today? Will you teach us something in regards to our own? How can we get to the place where we trust you, not partly, but fully? I pray that you'll help us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, trust fall. I'll never forget that again. As we get ready here, I apologize in advance for the quality of this video, but this video, I just wanted to open with the short video, give you a thought or an idea. It just is so perfect in so many different ways. Watch this and enjoy this with me. It would be nice. Uh, the title of the message is Trust Fall, and if you know anything about that, you know that the whole thing about a trust fall is, is you fall backwards, and you trust somebody and the people that hopefully love and care, you trust them to hold you up and not hit the floor. The problem is, is sometimes you don't always follow the directions, or maybe even understand the directions. In your notes at the top, you have a set of notes in your program. You can pull out your Bible app on your smartphone and go to the events and follow along with us there. I have the phrase, who will catch me, right? And the word catch can mean what? Rescue me. Who will rescue me? Who will bail me out? Who will hold on to me? Who will save me from embarrassment? And do you think that Christians have thought sometimes, you know, Jesus is going to catch me every time. Do you think Christians have come to the place where they say, Jesus is supposed to catch me every time. I'm supposed to be bailed out. I'm supposed to uh, not have a problem with being embarrassed. I'm supposed to, he's supposed to help me. And I think that, do we ever feel like, you know, we trusted Jesus fully, and he let us hit the floor. I'm hoping today that I might be able to clear that up a little bit and give us some understanding about what biblical faith is, not maybe what we think it is. I want to share with you five reasons, each one of them a part of the reason that we don't trust Christ fully. Maybe you got all five of them down, great. Maybe there's one that you need to work on. But here's what I'll say to you. I've read the Bible from cover to cover, and so have many of you. There's one area where Jesus Christ will, by faith, do what you ask him every single time. And that is the person that comes to him repentant, the person that comes to him understanding that they're a sinner, the person coming to him that wants to be saved. He will save you. He will forgive you of your sins. He will become your Savior every time. But that's not how the rest of life is. Every time. Can I take a look at the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter? I have a few notes in there. If you've never read Hebrews, the 11th chapter, it is a very encouraging chapter. It's called the, the Hall of Faith. All of these men and all of these women who did these wonderful things and trusting God, they become an example to you and to me of what it is to live by faith in Christ. So let's just jump right in, number one in your notes. Partly one of the reasons that we don't trust Christ fully is, number one, we look at what we see. A little play on words, right? We look at what we see. It's kind of like getting a new car, or a new used car, or something like that. And you never noticed them before, and all of a sudden you have a new car, and it's like, I see that car everywhere now. You see the color of that car. You see the make of that car. It's like, I see it everywhere. And we look at what we see in the very first verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is confident in what we hope for. We're going to take a look at this word because it's a little different than most often we think. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. 
kind of seems backwards. This is what the ancients were commended for. And just so you know, the passage of Scripture here that talks about ancients, it's about ancient people of faith, men and women of faith. That is, they're referred to as the ancients. See, we tend to put our confidence in what we see. This passage of Scripture opens up and says, you know, you're not going to put your confidence, your hopes in everything you see because everything you see is temporary. Everything that you see melts away, goes away, fades away. We have a tendency to put our faith in what I can see, what I can feel, what I can touch. And that clashes with biblical truth. Christians will face trials. Christians will face hardships. Most of the books in the New Testament are dealing with that. In America, we're really not that persecuted for our faith. You know, it's coming around a little bit, but we're really not. And if you don't think that we have problems or difficulties... So many of the books in the New Testament were writing for that very reason. I have in your notes just another reference going over to 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 8, 17 and 18. Well, Paul is talking to a group of people in Corinth who are thinking, you know, this is not as easy as following Jesus Christ as I thought it was. And he says, just remember, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, if you've ever been irritated by somebody who walked up to you and said, listen, you have a problem, and it's a big problem, this, that, the other, and you, they basically said to you, you know, it's nothing compared to your reward that's coming. And you just wanted, how does that help? Well, I don't know, but Paul said it. The difficulties, the struggles that we go through, they're temporary, no matter how bad they are. And I'm not saying that we don't, because Lord knows we have them. Verse 18, so what do we do? We fix our eyes. Not on what is seen, here's the same reference, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Y'all, you get that, right? You understand that there's an eternal life that goes on far beyond what we experience in the flesh. Christ wants us to be ever moving toward a hope in what he says uh, is not seen, but yet is eternal. Now, the question is, is what am I trusting Christ for? What, do I, what are you trusting Christ for today? What are you putting your faith in him for? What am I trusting him to do for me? Am I expecting him to bail me out all the time? If he really loves me, he'd do this, that, the other. Do you know that there are books that are written about Christians who lost their faith, who lost their life because they wouldn't give up their faith? They're called martyrs. Have you ever read a book of martyrs? People who would not deny Jesus Christ and had their skin peeled off their bodies? who were dipped in tar and used as candlelights in the Roman Colosseum. Folks, we have a few troubles. And God did not rescue everybody from everything. It's really important for us to make sure we're not looking at what has happened and going on around us. We get that. And God is so good to us in so many different ways. That word hope there, he says faith is confidence in what we hope for. That's not the word for, gee, I hope Tim gives me a raise. I'm hoping Tim gives me a raise. I've been working for Tim for a year. He's my boss. I'm hoping I get a raise. It's not that kind of hope. The hope that is here biblically, and you can look at all kinds of different places, is a hope of what we're assured of, even though we don't see it. Jesus came to the disciples, and he said, you know, what are you guys worried about? He says, I'm going, and they were a little upset he's leaving. He says, but if I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back for you. He said, just believe me, trust me. 
It's not what we see. It's a hope of what we know that we have in Christ. Now, folks, I'm sorry that today we have to teach that you shouldn't always have your confidence in the fact that God's going to make life easy. It's just the truth. And your faith in Jesus Christ will function much more biblically accurate if you don't think you have to have everything you pray for. Jesus does not exist so that he's our sugar daddy. Faith is a confidence. Why should we not be confident in Jesus Christ no matter what the situation is? Why would we put our faith in ourselves? Part of the reason we don't trust Jesus, and I use the word fully, I know we do many others, is we live in the here and now and we look around and we see that isn't, you know, that doesn't seem right. How could God let that happen? And we don't have answers, but there's biblical answers. This is why Bible study, in the middle of the week, we're studying the Beatitudes. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, you know. Matthew, the uh, fifth chapter, I think we're on verse 4. Number two, here's another reason. Maybe one of these is one that hits home with you. We forget to comprehend. We forget to comprehend, you know. Uh, there's an old, old commercial that came out. That the guy hit himself in the head and said, Wow, I could have had a V8. Uh, that's not a, a motor for your car. You know, he basically said, he says, wow, I had this to drink, I had that to drink, I had a water, I had one, and I could have had something refreshing and something good for me, except, I don't know if that's what V8's about, but, wow, I could have had a V8. And a lot of times, the passage of Scripture pulls us back to hits us in the head and says, wow, did you forget about this? This is why verse 3 says, by faith we understand. That's the word for comprehend. Now God says, love me with your mind. Engage your mind. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. (laughs) The first point in the first verse, the first two verses are don't put your eyes on what you can see. And the second one is comprehend what you do see came from stuff that was invisible. How many of you know that every time you and I ever created anything or anybody in the world, they used existing materials? God created everything that you see and I see in all of his glory and all of the glory that's here on earth with non-existing materials. Came from nothing. You look around and he says, look around. By faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command. And when we have a crisis of faith, creation, I hope you enjoy creation. I hope there's some aspect about it that you enjoy creation because creation lets us know God is powerful. That's what verse 3 is talking about. It lets us know He sustains things. Folks, no matter what the global warming people are saying, the Bible says as long as earth exists, there will be all four seasons. That's what the Bible teaches. He goes on, the passage of Scripture teaches God is creative. So God's powerful, He's ability to stay, and He's created. Oftentimes, when God moves in our situation, He answers a prayer for us, and it isn't the way we were thinking. And so we kind of use the phrase, man, God moves in mysterious ways, and He does, and in different ways. And every time we've created something, it had to come from something, and here's God. He does something in a different way. He's done something creative because He's the creator. It doesn't have to do it the way that we're thinking, that's for sure. He can do it his way. God calls me to do what I can do in my situation. Don't get me wrong, everybody. Christians don't just take their hand. God calls me, do what you can do in your situation and trust him fully. I like to look up a couple different things. You guys probably know a lot of just amazing things about creation. I read the other day that 
And the earth is moving at 67,000 miles per hour. 67, you're, I don't know how you're hanging on and how you're sticking to the surface, but it's moving 67,000 miles an hour. And just in case you have somebody that says, you know, you're not really going anywhere. You can say, oh yeah, an hour ago I was 67,000 miles back. That's our God. The only planet that has water, the only planet that has life. We forget to comprehend our God. Part of the reason we don't trust God fully is we forget to meditate on His creation. What we see, how did it get here? We have no problem believing in creative design and all kinds of wonderful, marvelous inventions, but when it comes to everything around us that's beyond us and ours, some people say, well, there is no God. What happened to the intelligent design of everything that we have? Number three. Right? Number one, we look at what we see. Number two, we forget to comprehend and it takes us back. God is creative. He can help me in this creative problem that I'm having. Number three, we don't keep a list. We don't keep a list. And, you know, we're in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and there's a list of men and a list of women who, by faith, it talks about what they did. I don't know about you, but sometimes if I have three or four things written on a piece of paper on a counter, I, I, I leave the house and I forgot the list, and I said, it's only four things I can remember that. That's happened to you too? I get out there, I got two things that I call or text Maria. Hey, honey, uh, can, you give me a, can you text me everything that was on that list? Four things I can't remember. But I put it on a list because it's important. I don't know if you use your phone or if you use sticky notes, but we most likely make a list for things that are important to us. And you look at this passage of Scripture, chapter 11, it's about a list of people and men and women who put their faith in God in spite of their circumstances because it's really not that difficult to trust Jesus and love Him when everything is hunky-dory. Here's two examples of this, verse 4 and verse 5. The verse 4 is Abel, Adam and Eve's children, Cain and Abel. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Now, if you know the story, the passage of Scripture says, well, Cain brought an offering, but it was just some stuff that he had, you know, and it was in the garden, and there was some fruits and vegetables, whatever it was. But Cain, but Abel brought something from the fat, the best of it. And this is the teaching in Scripture. When you take something, you offer it up to God. This is the whole thought of tithing, the first tenth, and everything is the best goes to him. Because then it says, I trust him, I honor him, I love him, and I trust him to sustain. I give him the best. I give him the first. And that makes God happy. I'll show you in just a second. When we say, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended. That's a key word. He was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Cain? He couldn't kill Abel's life. He couldn't kill his faith. He couldn't kill his testimony. And folks, I've done funerals for some of us, and not none of you, but for, for, for those of us who know people. And I have seen over and over again the person who maybe has left this life and gone to another life has just been such a blessing. I asked Tom's permission, Tom Murphy, you know, his wife Cynthia, you know. I don't know how it is that when I was around Cynthia, she made me feel like I was the only one that mattered. I have no idea. She didn't know me that well. Every once in a while, I'd show up at their church or this, that, the other, or she'd go, and just boom. And then you know what? Everybody else I talk to tells me the exact same thing about Cynthia, that she made them feel number one. I'm like, no, no, she made me feel like number one. How is that? 
her life, her faith in Jesus Christ speaks, even though physically she's not here, spiritually she's alive. This is the gift that Abel gave, and so many people give. Look at verse 5. Here's a guy named Enoch. He was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Wouldn't that be nice? I'm getting a little old and creaky. It would be nice if it came quickly. There's a two people that I can think of in the Scriptures that, le- that left this life without dying. Enoch and Elijah. Now, Christians talk about this thing found in 2nd, 1st Thessalonians that we will leave this life quickly, instantaneously, in the blink of an eye. They use the word the rapture because that's what the word means in the Greek. And people think that we're nutso. Folks, God's already shown that he can do that. There's coming a time when there will be a group of people that don't die. Right? You've seen the, I want to see a sticker on an airplane when I get on it, you know, in case of rapture, this plane will crash. Because the pilot's a Christian. You know? By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, here's the word again, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now, folks, we read all of these examples. Be careful you don't claim all of them because you don't know what God's going to do. True faith doesn't say, oh, I know what God's going to do in this area. Careful. We get a picture of the rapture because of this. And there's about 16 people. I hope you'll go home and read this. 16 men and women that are named and all kinds of others that are mentioned. They're not given our name. They were not given their names. By keeping a list of faithful times, we will have an experienced Jesus Christ. It will refresh us. I'll talk about this as we close today, but this was given to you so you can make your own personal list of God's faithfulness to you. Since I feel that the number one thing that would help us in our faith, maybe not, but to keep a list, to be able to look at it, to look back and to look forward and see what he was doing, you know. Hebrews 11, it's not just to be read. It's to be mimicked. It's to be copied. And that's what I want to offer to you today. Out of the five things we learned today, this may be the most helpful in helping us fully trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Number four, we miss our rewards. Part of the reason that we don't fully trust Christ is we miss our rewards, right? Now, if any of you shop at a place like Giant Eagle, they give you 10 cents uh, you know, off on your gas and you get up to 50 cents and then they tell you, there's an expiration date on here. Oh, no, we're not going to miss that reward, you know. Even if I, you know, we always try to just get, have as little gas in your car as possible and bring all the canisters up. We're going to take full advantage of it. And yet I find when it comes to Jesus Christ, people almost think this is disrespectful. And it's not in any way. Verse 6, and without faith it is impossible. Not probable. Without faith it's impossible to please God. He just said Enoch pleased God. And he's writing to you and to me. It's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him, anybody comes in prayer to him, anybody that comes to him, they must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly, not haphazardly, seek him. When you love someone, you learn what pleases them. You learn what pleases them and you give it to them, whether it's your children or whether it's your spouse or whoever it might be, you know. If Jim likes to take a nap in the afternoon, Laura, just let him if you love him. You know one of the things I was taught a long time ago? 
If you want to show somebody you love them, find something that they don't like to do. Do it for them. That may be your child, that may be your spouse, that may be your boss, whoever it is. Find something they don't like to do and do it for them. Expressing a love for them. That's what happens when we want to please somebody. God is calling us to put this faith in him because it's impossible without it to please him so that we can say, Lord, I'm expecting a reward. Now, I know that there's an awful lot of people, they said, I've heard it once, I heard it, well, I, I don't follow Jesus Christ for the reward. I follow Jesus Christ because it's the obedient thing to do. Well, you're, you're a nerd. <laughs> it's funny, we, we love rewards in every other place of our life, but when God says he's going to do it, it's just like, no, it's okay, I'll just suffer through this life, I don't really need a reward. And I slap you upside the head, you know. <laughs> but what if God's reward... What if God's reward to you is the answer to your prayer? What if God's reward to you is the fact that he closed the door on something you were really wanting and you didn't really understand, but later on you said, hmm, kind of what happens in high school lots of times. You know, the pretty girl in high school, man, she turns out to be an old hag, and you're like, man, I'm glad I didn't marry her. (laughs) None of you here today, I'm not talking about that. You're so glad for unanswered prayer. What if God's reward to you is an open door? in an avenue and in a direction. Because this is what this entire chapter's about. It's supposed to give us hope and he rewards us. How can our faith in God grow when we put our faith in him He turned, and we turn his reward away and say, no thanks. It may just be the very thing that we're seeking. Rewarding someone for something positive they've done, that is not a human being idea or concept. You all right? This is a God thing. God rewards, you know. For every parent here that's trying to potty train their child, and if they poop in the little potty, you give them five M&Ms, that wasn't your original idea, concept. God rewards those who believe in him, those who come to him. Every pet owner who will honor their pet, who will give her the reward for, maybe it's pooping outside too. I don't know why we're on poop here today. But anyway, <laughs> you reward your, you know, I have a, I, I, I can't share this. I'm just going right, to move right on. God wrote this in the chapter that's all about faith so we would say, Woo, man, he wants to reward me. Part of trusting Jesus fully is looking for his rewards and our faith walk with him. Number five. Turn your notes over, number five. Here's the human factor, everybody. You know, there's the human factor. Folks, we live on earth and we live among people who love Jesus and want to do his will and we live among people who don't and sometimes people who don't want to do his will affect my life. That's just the way it is. If you understand that and you read that all throughout the scripture, you get it. But when we think, well, why is God doing this to me? You know, if it was just God and you and me, there'd be no problem. But God himself put the human factor in the Garden of Eden. He says, man, everything I got for you is good. Temperature's just right. Everything's good. I'm walking with you. Just stay away from one tree. Obey me. Listen to me. Trust me. And then the temptation to say, man, it really does look good. God's probably trying to keep something from me. And you take from it, and all of a sudden, God doesn't get his perfect will because of the human factor. And we think we should always have... The human factor enters in, and God wanted them to resist the temptation and to just walk right into an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ 
on the earth that he's created for us, and he didn't get his way because of mankind. Folks, on this earth, when we pray, there's the human factor. Are you all right with the fact that there's the human factor all over the place? I know a couple I was talking to this morning, they had two children. You know, they were absolutely fine. They were done with having children, except their five-year-old started to pray for them to have a baby. Yeah, the Barhams gave me permission to tell you that. Yeah, and the, ba- the five-year-old prayed, and they had a baby. And this little girl is a girl of prayer, five years old. I think she's about seven, eight now. You know? Sometimes other people are praying the opposite of what we're praying for. Folks, next Sunday is the Super Bowl. At some point of the game, there's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs on one side, them in prayer asking God for a first down, and there's going to be the 49ers over there on one side saying, stop them so they don't get a first down. If you're God, which one are you going to hear? <laughs> Folks, I, I use humor a little bit. Folks, sometimes God is, there's people out there and they're praying for two different opposite sides. And we have the human factor. Faith was not meant to be easy, please. It was not meant to be easy. It was meant to be an experience. It was meant to be explored. Any relationship that you spend with it, it, it's an experience. It's to be explored. It's not easy. I talk to couples all the time. You just these, these two double A personalities, you know, and they're like going at it, but they've learned and they laugh and they love and they're learning how to get it. It's parents learning how to, how to adjust and how to, how to help their children see. Relationships were not meant to be easy, and faith is not meant to be easy, but that doesn't mean it can't be enjoyed and explored. In your notes I have, if doesn't mean drop. If doesn't mean drop. Do you know the guy in the video? There was something he didn't understand about this faith drop. There was something he didn't understand, you know, about this trust uh, drop. I mean, they, he didn't understand which way to fall. And so I put in your notes, if doesn't mean drop, because oftentimes we say, well, what if, God, what if someone affects God's will and I have to pay the price for it? What if somebody's outside God's will and I have, what if? It doesn't mean God dropped you. If comes in, I get it. What if somebody said, what if what I want isn't what God wants? That doesn't mean he dropped you. What it means is the same thing as the fool in the video. You have to understand the whole concept. And folks, when it comes to Jesus Christ, we don't understand the full concept. We're learning, we're growing. And that's why I gave you five things today to help us trust Jesus Christ fully. Because in my mind, the number one experience of trusting Jesus Christ fully is contentment. To be content with if it goes this way or that way. I know God knows what's best. It doesn't have to be about me. In your notes, I have Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 13 and 14. As it talks about all these wonderful people, it says something that's a little bit depressing. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. We always think that, oh, we're going to get everything. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. They weren't looking for everything peachy keen on earth. 
They knew there was another place. Jesus said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and take you so you can be with me. Verse 14, people who say such things show that they're not looking for a country of their own. They're not looking for what can be seen right now. Hopefully we're not preparing everything for everything. I would love to have a great retirement, comfortable and all this, at the other, but my heart and my mind drives me to be inside of God's will to finish strong however he says it. The asterisk in your notes. We have many good reasons to trust Jesus Christ fully. And that's the whole reason that you have a book entitled Great is Thy Faithfulness. Now I spent some time with Ernie and uh, Darlene yesterday and I asked them the question, if you guys could come up here or one of you or two of you or whatever, he's just coming by himself. He told me, a, I said, could you guys tell me a story about God's faithfulness to you? And he told it to me, and I, I knew I couldn't do justice to it, so I asked him if you could crank up this uh, microphone for him. I asked him to do that, because what I'm going to ask you to do is take your book. I'm going to ask you to think back, like Ernie and Darlene did, and just jot a little note in it, and when it happened, and some of your stories, so you can create your own Hebrews 11 book. Be careful. Thanks, Ernie. Thank you. So can you take your book? Can you remember a couple things? Jot a phrase or something down. If you can remember the date, fine. If not, put the year in there. And then once you've done that, find a place you can put a big marker in there and say, okay, from this day forward, I'm going to keep track. Keep it in your Bible. Keep it somewhere with you so that understanding you have a Hebrews 11 list of God's faithfulness to you. I read this uh, little story about this uh, woman who woke up and had a dream and told her husband, I had a dream you're getting me a set of pearls for our anniversary. She said, what do you think that dream means? He says, you'll know tonight. He comes home that evening, he's got a little bag there. She opens it up, she finds a book titled, The Meaning of Dreams. Folks, men and women think and act differently. We laugh about it. We learn about it. We have Bible studies about it. But don't forget, God thinks differently than men and women. We go to the Scriptures to find out how He thinks, to understand Him, to see stories and illustrations so that we can know how He interacts with us. Father, as we... Get an opportunity just to build our faith and our trust in you. I pray, Jesus, that you will um, work in me first. All of these, everyone, I have a little bit of a situation I need to work with, no doubt. I pray that your spirit would be kind to us today, that you would lovingly prod people today to say, you can trust me fully. Whatever every one of them might, might be today, and it might not be the fact that we get our way. Matter of fact, we would be a whole lot better off understanding your will isn't always that we get our way because we're human. We're men and women. We don't, you don't think like us. So we open the scriptures to find out how you think so we can put our faith fully in you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.